Yo, what's going on, y'all? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Art of Boar podcast. Your boy is back, the host, of course, with the most, uh, the Wody man, the, the Wodester, Dusty Wode, Wody son, uh, all different types of, of Wody. Uh, n- non-Florida Woodies. We we know y'all be stealing our style. Say Woody, and I hear motherfuckers say Hootie Who. What you saying, Hootie Who? In Tallahassee for country motherfuckers. But welcome back to another episode. I do not know what episode it is, but I would like to get straight into the 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 grits, straight to the mashed potatoes, straight to the steak and taters of things. I like to welcome y'all back. Thank y'all for uh, sticking by your boy. It's been a long. And difficult. Um, hiatus, 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 not hiatus, hiatus. Hiatus is a song, a bad one. Welcome back. Um, thank y'all for listening. Uh, this is gonna be y'all, of course, on all audio platforms and also on my YouTube. Uh, so we're gonna rock out with it and we're gonna start off really with the first topic. My first topic, and I wanna, I'm gonna title this. I feel like this need a title. This need its own segment. What's the point of having money? What's the point of being rich? If you're going to still be a pussy that follows pussy rules, racist rules, right? So uh, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, for as long as we have been alive, seemingly the last 25 years has been the team of coonery and criminals. From uh, crack, cocaine, to 200 pounds of weed in somebody's trunk, Nick Newton, uh, to uh, women beating, every type of domestic or crime, a drug crime you could think of, there's probably a Dallas Cowboys player that has been accused and or convicted of such thing. Recently, we've had the Almost like, I I wouldn't want to call it ironic. It's just a hysterical and hilarious thing. When Jerry Jones, a a borderline, a halfway borderline racist, as far as like PR-wise, right? Like, I already know this this guy is an an actual racist. You know, those things are just facts. But he's been borderline media-wise, right? So you got a bunch of black players on your team, so automatically you people think, oh, well, he, he employs black black players. He pays them millions of dollars. You know racists got their own football team too, right? You know toothless motherfuckers in Alabama. You know they like Alabama, right? You know that's their team, right? You know it's a bunch of niggas on the team, right? You know uh, the racist favorite football player is probably on Alabama. It's probably a motherfucker like Derrick Henry, Bo Scarborough. Which another topic I can get on? It, it proves that racism is just—it's just hilarious and it's just pure stupidity. Because if you're a racist, especially in America, you definitely watch sports. If you're a racist anywhere in the world, you definitely watch sports. You probably watch soccer anywhere else. Here, you watch football and you watch basketball. So I know for a fact. Your favorite fucking basketball player right now ain't Tyler Hero. You may have Luka Doncic. But if y'all are playing for the Lakers, maybe your favorite player is Austin Reeves, but it's probably LeBron James, right? So that's just pointing out how how, how stupid um, racism is, uh, you know, stereotypical things, prejudice. It's just stupid uh, because it, it, just, it just doesn't make sense step by step. Phonically, it doesn't make sense. Moving back to Jerry Jones. Now, Jerry Jones have had, uh, as I said before, just a litany of coonery on their teams. And uh, Maga, Micah, Maga, Parsons, Peterson, his name is Peterson today. I, I don't really, I haven't confirmed if it's Parsons or Peterson. But Maga Peterson um, has been very, very outspoken and wrong on several different topics. He spoke on a Joe Biden thing. I'm not going to say it, Joe, and, and uh he kind of attacked Joe Biden. I'm not going to sit in and defend Joe Biden. That's just not going to happen. He did a eulogy for a KKK member. Tell you, what do you think? What do you think Joe Biden is? If you're doing a, a eulogy, you the, the eulogizer. I don't know what the name is. The eulogist. 
for a KKK member, right? So we're not going to defend him, uh, Joe Biden. But Margaret Peterson has shown specific, specific points of just pure ignorance and real MAGA-type ignorance, right? We've seen this in the past, specifically with Cowboys players. We've seen this from all types of players and athletes across the world. This is this is somewhat of a nigga issue. I'm going to say it's a nigga issue. But, you know, white people, non-white people, you know, minorities, y'all going to be able to feel this. White people, you're going to be able to feel this, too. But you ain't going to be able to feel it in the gut because it's just different. We all grew up different. We all have different experiences. So, you know, those experiences are what links us and um, – whether we had the same experience or not or didn't have the same experiences, those experiences can't link us. My point is, what's the point of having money if you never going to speak out on racism and you never going to go against the grain if this person is, quote unquote, your boss? What's the point of being worth one million, two million, three million, four million, ten million, twenty million, forty million? What's the point of accruing? Uh, crew in the right word, over $100 million. I'm not saying Michael Peterson has. I'm saying NFL players has, NBA players. What's the point of accruing over eight figures of income for putting a ball in the hoop or putting a ball in the end zone, offensive lineman, if you're, you're block, from working out, being tall, and being big motherfuckers is working out. That's your skill. What's the point of having the money the money comes with power. If you still gonna take bullshit, if you still gonna perpetrate bullshit, so that probably that probably means that that's what you are already. But it it, it makes it very difficult for me to believe that a, a, a staff of a roster of like fifty five players are all feeling the same. That the Jerry Jones photo or the things that Jerry Jones do or different just but the Colin Kaepernick shit was the was the was the perfect time for millionaires to step up and be like, hey man, what the fuck are y'all doing? This dude is obviously has a thing. He's doing it. Leave him alone. He's good enough to be a quarterback. So don't act like he's not a quarterback. Of course, we've seen he was actually blackballed. He was paid off by the NFL to just pretty much just go away. Um, there was a lot of you, a lot of people in the media in general saying, oh, he's just not good enough to be a starting quarterback or backup quarterback. But we're watching fucking Joe Flacco take the field. We're watching Mitchell Trubisky start like six, seven games. We're watching fucking uh, Kenny Pickett and all these niggas play. So, okay, we get that. And I say this about um, actors, actresses. I'm thinking specifically sports, sports, uh, because they have a hierarchy as far as you know. You have a boss, you have a manager, you have well, not a, a manager, you have a coach, you have general managers, you have a president of the team, you have you know you have, you have hierarchy, you have the owner of the team, and you're worth ten or twelve million dollars, and you're still a pussy. What's the point of having? Enough money to retire yourself and enough resources to where they can't retire you. Because, of course, there's investing. There's a lot of different ways to make money when you already have money. There's a lot of different ways to do it. So to sit back and and, and, and perpetrate the bullshit and to, to, to almost carry it on, carry it on. I think it's very confusing. Um, and I don't know where it comes from because, as I said, this nigga specific, but people in a, in any different communities, they've always, not always, they, they we've, we've all kind of come across just racist ass situations or interactions that really generally don't make sense. Like, I, like I've said before, a, a racist favorite player a basketball player, it's LeBron or Jordan. It ain't fucking Larry Bird. A racist favorite football player. If a, a racist nigga is, is in Michigan, if you a white racist and you from Michigan, you a Detroit Lions fan, your favorite fucking football player, nigga, it ain't Jared Goff. It ain't Hawkinson. 
It ain't Matt Stafford. So, so th that's why racism always pissing me off. Racist things always piss me off because it's not like you lit. Like if you in, even if you stay in uh, Bumblefuck Beer Money, Georgia, you watch football, you watch basketball. You from Georgia, you like the Hawks probably. You watch the Hawks maybe. Maybe you like the Lakers. Austin Reeves ain't your fucking favorite player. That's just not how it goes, right? These guys specifically, uh, these Michael Peterson, these Michael Peterson's guys, uh, any other guys like that. I I really would like in, in a comment, I'm going to leave this on YouTube. What's the point? Like, is it just to be comfortable? Is it be like, you know what, I don't want them to take my money from me. Or, you know what, this, this situation is not big enough uh, for me to want to, you know, really tackle like that, really jump on top of it. Nobody's going to have my back. It, why? What's the point? What's the point of all of this? I, I, I'm like, I'm confusing myself. What's the point of all this? What's the point of, of you just making millions and millions of dollars and, and being, and the only reason you're making millions of dollars is because you are in a popular spot. A bunch of people watch football. So you in turn get paid to play football. They, you know, that's how these things work. Or they, and well, I was gonna say, are they obligated to speak on it? But you are fucking obligated because you are a person of interest. This is why you get paid this much money. Um, so that's why the, I, I'm not a role model thing never worked um, because you're only getting paid that much because of the notoriety that you have. That I mean, those those things go hand in hand. Uh, Kevin fucking Durant could tell you how many great basketball players in the history that that didn't make it to the, the actual NBA. Um, but I, I'm, I'm generally confused on these things. Uh, I watched a lot of Malcolm X and even in, uh, I think a speech in, it wasn't even a speech, it was an interview in 1963. Uh, he spoke on specifically in the black community, but this has been a thing for all communities because even now this type of, uh, grandstanding, I want to say is more prevalent Easily because of money, right? So there are there are some people who think, oh man, there are it's too much quote unquote gay stuff on TV. Uh why does this character need to be gay? We see it every time. Every time there's a new headline, every time there's a new uh, character, oh well, why does he have to be gay? Like fucking being gay is something that was just invented 10 years ago. Uh Alexander the Great. He, he likes some boys too. So this going back to like year seven. I forget what Alexander Gray was, but it had to be like year three or year 17. It was a very long time ago, right? We get this king, this thing called representation. And what representation means to Hollywood means dollars and cents, right? That's it's pretty obvious. Um we see that we see like with Black Panther one, it the Black Panther one and two, these are Generally good movies. I'm not gonna say they're bad movies. But it's motherfucker showing up in dashikis and like kente cloth. Like this is something different for a lot of people. And I think the fact that there are Hollywood producers or uh TV show hosts that use this. Man, what do I want to call it? Because it's such a, I, I, I really don't want to downplay representation because it's something that's so important to a lot of people, man. Like a little kid seeing a black superhero, uh, you know, some kid that, like uh, the guy, uh, Namor, who plays Namor. I don't, I don't remember his, uh, his, his, his full name. He played Namor. And I've seen uh, an interview with him speaking about how important it is for, for children in Mexico to see someone Mexican that is his skin color on TV, so I don't want to downplay representation, but it's being monetized like a mother. It's being disgustingly monetized like most things is, and um, that's the sad part about America. We get this, we get this thing where it's it's generally everything is just run like a business, and uh, I used to think that was a joke uh, when I was in my when I was a teenager. Hey, but it ain't. It ain't. Um, I don't know. You know, 
there are a lot of people um, going back to I, I went off track a little bit I want to talk about the Malcolm X uh, thing but the Malcolm X he spoke about the and this was in the 1963 maybe 64 and he talked about the how bad it was for major black leaders at that time and by leaders I mean assumed leaders Hollywood leaders whoever was the most popular niggas those people were crowned as the leaders of the actual community. And those people were comedians, Bill Cosby, sports head, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And not to go against Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's um, charitable donations and what he's done for the black community and just communities in general since for 50, 60 years now, 50 years. But those are the people that don't lead a community. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a very intelligent person. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar puts a ball in the fucking hoop. Bill Cosby, of course, we know what Bill Cosby has become. Well, he, what he always was, but we see it now what he, what he, what he actually is. He was one of the most prominent black people in the, in the 60s, 70s, this entire time. And he was a monster. Literally. And figuratively. He's a fucking monster. He's somebody that you know, probably should fall down a well. We see it today. Uh, rappers. Um, NBA Youngboy was. This is this is this is fact. You can Google NBA Youngboy. The his his most recent release from prison to to put him on house arrest. The besides playing uh, millions and millions of dollars and, and bail and court fees to actually get out. The main contingent on him getting out was his influence to young kids and to the community. They made him, and of course, he, he's lied at this point. So, I mean, the next time he locked up, they're going to actually lock his ass up. The major kind of the major thing that got him out was that he told the judge. He told the to the judge, basically, that he would not influence Younger kids in the bad way that he has been for the last couple of years. Again, he's a kid himself. He's like 22, 23. But he has a tremendous amount of influence on a lot of young people. A lot of them. Millions and millions of them. And that just so happens at this point to cross a lot of races. It ain't just the nigga kids. It's everybody kids. That being a part, just like T.I., 20 years ago, the one of the major things that got T.I. out of jail, besides snitching, was the community service thing. The 1-800-CRIME, the crime dog shit, whatever he was doing. Because of his influence over a community and a city. Clifford Harris is a stupid motherfucker in general. He's not a small guy. So for him to be held up to such a high standard. Because of his quote-unquote influence, it's pretty crazy. If you think about it, he's, he's, he's a stupid motherfucker. He's an ignorant motherfucker. So for him to not be in jail for life, pretty much, because of his influence, same thing goes with NBA Youngboy. It's very, very telling. And it's, it's disgusting. But it's kind of just how things go, right? Malcolm X, he spoke about how maybe the community leaders, which has never happened and, and quite frankly will never happen, maybe if there was a couple fucking doctors and a couple lawyers, and I don't mean this as far as, and I do mean it specifically about black people, but I mean this about the whole fucking country because we have Kanye West being a fucking asshole, a piece of shit, a dickhead. But people still can't unlatch themselves from it. I I, 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 I generally, I honestly, and I just don't get it. This is from 2015. The MAGA shit, the Trump shit. This is, it's seven years strong now. And even now, the last year, 
This nigga's a he's praising Hitler. What? I I I don't get it. And his influence, for whatever reason, he has made good music in four years, five years. Matter of fact, it's been seven years, eight years. But his influence over American culture is stuck. It's stuck. And everybody's just kind of watching. So there are a lot of people, a lot of um, just athletes, uh, business people, entrepreneurs, whoever, with a lot of money and a lot of fuck you money. And a lot of money, what they don't even need people. Like you don't even, I don't even motherfucker. They don't, they don't need anybody else to continue to thrive. A regular motherfucker lose their job, you gotta go find another one. Or you're gonna be living on the street. These people don't have to deal with that pressure. They don't have to deal with that. So I would think at that point in your life of, of being that comfortable. As far as you're living, that you would be the ones to speak up at least a little bit with racism, with bigotry, and any forms of factors like that. It's really confusing to me. I've seen people like Michael Peterson, Peterson say a lot of stupid ass shit. This guy from the Cowboys. I've seen a lot of athletes in general say a lot of stupid ass shit. I remember the shit from Riley Cooper when nobody did nothing. And then the flip side of it, what's the motherfucker from, uh, I don't remember, he was a terrible uh, white basketball player last year who lost his shit. He lost his shit. He lost everything. And people are still not like actually speaking up. I I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not sure how you can always. I, I'm not sure how you can get to the point where you're you're not. You won't be affected, but you still won't speak up. Is it because it doesn't directly affect you, which is the case for some people, or case for a lot of people, actually? Or are you just a pussy? I could have run a little long here, um, but I don't care. Uh, I just think uh, when Jerry Jones pops up in 1957 in a crowd of nigga haters, when some niggas just want to go to school, With better books, cleaner classrooms, because none of that was provided for niggas. It's still not provided for niggas 60 years later. And him being out there, which is just incredible. Jesus Christ. It's just incredible. Incredible how long it took for this to come out to. And nobody speaks for nothing. Nobody says nothing. Because he signed your check. Well, Maga Peterson, I'm pretty sure... There's 30 other fucking teams that will sign your check to. And that goes for the entire uh, Cowboys organization. Uh, Ezekiel, him and Dak cooned it up with the with the, uh, with the the kneeling thing. There was only two players that even spoke up at all to back Kaepernick. At all. And the league is about 90%, 98% niggas. And nobody spoke up. And it's still that same way. So I just have a general question: Is what of what is the point of assuming money and power if you won't use it to at least shield to put kind of just protect people who can't do it themselves? What's the fucking point? If you say, hey, "Man, I just want to get my money and get out the way," I still think you're a coward, but I would understand that because you're straight out about it. If you say, hey, man, I'm just not, you know, I'm not educated. I'm not strong enough to, you know, not strong enough, but I'm just not. Uh, I can't talk it up like that. It's just not my position. I understand that, too. But to be guys that generally back it up while trying to maintain your identity 
within your own community, I think that's foolish. Um, and yeah, I went on a little bit of a rant here, but we're going to clean it up. And uh, I just think a lot of these guys are cowards. I think a lot of these guys are pussies. Um, I think it's real sad. And I think we are always going to be at this point. The gunning thing kind of proves everything. We, we People talk about, we're going to move on a little bit. People talk about code or street code. There, there is no street code. There's never been any codes. There's never been any type of uh, rule set. And, and probably off my previous topic, these, these things probably blend together. Because there's goalposts moved whenever it's kind of convenient for people. People forget about certain things when it's certain people that they like. Oh, well, you know, this person, uh, oh, Gunner, oh, he was, he's just a rapping street guy. Well, why? It doesn't matter if he took a plea deal. Yeah, a plea deal confirming that you are actually, that there's a difference between a label and a gang when the entire defense of Young Thug and his lawyers and Young Thug, who has been seen as the fucking leader of the gang, their entire defense is it's not a label. It's not a gang, it's a label. You just confirm that it's both. Well, how is that bad these plea deal? Because you're throwing people under the bus. Again, these things still may um kind of be mixed in, but again, uh, the, the this whole rap thing, this whole influence with rappers, uh I, I kind of don't get it. Um, again, Gunner was mostly let out uh, five years, uh, five years suspended sentence served. He's in jail less than a year. He's in jail eight months, 10 months, five years suspended served for Rico charges. T.I. We remember, bro, I remember T.I. had grenade launches and guns with silences that he bought from an undercover federal agent. And didn't spend a fucking day in jail. And was already a three-time felon. This guy was freed because he has influence over the community. How weak, how brittle is, is, is specifically the black community. How fucking weak is it if NBA Youngboy and Clifford Harris have such a tight grip over it that the fucking federal government, like, you know what, yeah. Yeah. Just do some crime stoppers. We will, you know, we'll let y'all out. What what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is, is, is going on here in general? This is all very hilarious to me. Take a sip of water. Let's move on. Getting a little heated here. I want to move on next to the b-ball. The football, not the foosball, the b-ball, right? In my latest YouTube video, or my latest basketball YouTube video, I spoke about the emergence of Bowl Bowl. I don't remember this name, first name or last name. I think it's his name is just gonna be Bowl Bowl. I think it's I think his whole name is Bowl Bowl. It's like Millie Vanilli. It's just Bowl Bowl. To me. Bowball, so far this year, has been a very young, early season, has been a proven starter. He's 7'3", he's handles, he's slick, he can shoot. Obviously, at finishing at the rim, he's 7'3", but he has incredible touch. We already see it at an NBA level that a guy this tall that can move like this with handles like this Euro stepping and everything else doesn't seem doesn't seem like he can be guarded. We have about 20 teams, if not more, actively taken for the Wimbignana cat. I think his last name is Wimbignana. I'm sorry. I'm not going to look it up. He's a French cat. And he's supposed to be a taller version of Kevin Durant, basically, right? And we have a lot of teams tanking. And uh, a lot of the guys who've played in Europe, who's played with him, who's played against him, have all said the same thing. That he's incredible. He's different level. Giannis has said this. 
Um, a lot of guys have said this. I would like to know what is the difference. Let's say by January, by half of the season, January, February, whenever the All Star come up, what is going to be the difference? And Bobo is still doing the same thing. I said th- I think he's averaging like sixteen and twelve. What is the difference between it? He's not playing big minutes. What's the difference between a proven player after about forty-five games? Versus a would-be NBA phenom. Now, you could say that this Wimbyana cat could be like a previous NBA phenom, probably the the best NBA phenom, the guy who's lived up to every single thing. Matter of fact, there's no way what LeBron has done. You couldn't even, besides six rings, Getting seven rings and all that shit he was saying in, in Miami. Besides that, there you can't even fathom the things LeBron has done and say he would have did the going to the finals eight, ten times straight. There's no way you would have thought he could do any of that when he first came in. So I'm assuming, and again, uh, I don't watch college, I don't watch European sports. But I'm going to assume that most people think of the women Yana cat at, at, at this level. NBA phenom, he may not be the next LeBron because who can be the next LeBron from start to finish, 18-year-old kid to 38-9, cruising through, busting ass every single step of the way. If he's not going to be that, now I'm trying to think of somebody else that has been a proven player from the jump. And it's been like seven years. Within a that's that's in the NBA now because uh most of the cats that the best people the best if you name the top ten, most of them are already veterans. You you'll see like Ja Moran, Luka Doncic, um, a couple other ones in there, but those are you know three four year players. Everybody else is pretty much a, a seven, eight plus year player. I'm trying to think of uh, Steph. Kind of outlived a lot of. Steph was picked high, of course, and he was passed up by Minnesota. Thank God twice. Jesus Christ! I don't know how you can have a draft with Steph Curry and have two picks and not pick him up either one. And the two players that you that you drafted, those players wasn't even on your team. They damn sure ain't on the team now. And they wasn't on the team. One of them wasn't on the team after like three years. Very confused. Minnesota. Minnesota is the worst. I used to think it was Sacramento, but at least Sacramento. No Sacramento is asked to. Well, this is gonna need a we're gonna need a poll for this. Is is Minnesota and Sacramento, at least Sacramento 20 years ago, they had a they had a run where yeah, they got fucked by the NBA and by the Los Angeles Lakers. The NBA really fucked. The Sacramento Kings over. We never, we got never got any type of uh, um. What's the what's the word? We never got any closure for that. They just got fucked, and most people are Laker fans, so we all kind of moved on. Um, because like I said, the the high majority of the fans are the fucking Laker fans. I I'm generally just trying to think. Um, I'm I'm thinking about the just the top ten players again. I think this year you would say, uh, of course, Embiid. Um, you probably put Zion in the, in the top ten or twelve players this year. Um, that's another three, four year player. He's been playing incredible this year. Uh, Damon's been hurt a lot. Jokic, of course. Uh, AD uh, has been playing fantastic. Um, uh, Giannis. If I, if I didn't say Giannis, Giannis has been playing fantastic. Of course, Durant. As we're playing fantastic, of course, it's just mostly vets. I assume because this is the this is the chance you make when you when you're drafting. Do y'all think Wimbenyana would be better than what John ja Moran is now? Do you think Wimbenyana would be as good as what Luka, Luka Doncic is right now? If you don't, just looking at it. If you think he's going to be the next Kevin Durant, because we've seen this Kevin Durant shit, 
and his name was Porzingis. And his Porzingis shit was very short-lived. It was it's short-lived right now. He's averaging 20 and 8, and the Wizards are fucking terrible. So we've KD is the one that gave him the fucking nickname, the unicorn. So even KD was fooled by the first year or two of of uh, Chris Porzingis in the NBA. And he supposedly knows everything about basketball. Even he was off about the trajectory of Porzingis. What's the difference? And I'm, I, I'm saying Bobo because Bobo's been hooping and these niggas is tall. But if you get the number one pick in a draft, Why would you just trade this motherfucker for proven players? What team? I'm trying to think of a team that's halfway trash, but halfway good, and they would, and they have, they have a good player, or a really good player, and maybe two role players, or maybe two good players, or maybe three good role players. Whereas you would trade them. For the first round pick. Let's say, for instance, the Rockets. Would you take would the Rockets well, would the Rockets trade Jalen Green and Jabari for the number one pick? Do you think they would? Do you think Memphis would trade? I don't want to say John Morant because he's I think it's too good to be in this type of conversation. I'm trying to think of another young player, maybe like Desmond Bain and two other players for Wimbignana. Maybe they would. But it, to me, there's just a, a, a distinct difference between a guy that's already proven himself in NBA and a would-be phenom because we have number one draft picks every year. How many of those number one draft picks? Let me look it up. How many of these number one draft picks are even around? We can go, we can go back fucking 15 years. Let's 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 try to do that. Number one NBA draft picks. Let's go look it up. We're gonna go back to maybe 10 years. Right? See if these people is uh is, is any good, right? So Paulo Benchero so far this year has been nice. Kay Cunningham, season in the injury. He's been he's been nice, um, but he still plays for Detroit. Anthony Edwards, number one pick. He's been nice, but he's a number one pick. And Minnesota hasn't been very good. Uh, again, they just made maybe the worst trade in NBA history. Zion Weberson, he's a player that I would put, again, in my top 10, top 12. But this is his fourth year, and he's played 100 games. Again, this is his fourth year, and he just hit... 100 games played. Okay, that was 2019. Uh, before him, Aiton. Aiton? Before him, 2018, DeAndre Aiton. Aiton is not a number one pick. Markel Fultz is not a number one pick. Ben Simmons is not a number one pick. Quentin Anthony Towns, he's a number one pick. Um, Andrew Wiggins is not a number one pick. Anthony Bennett is not a number one pick. Anthony Davis is a number one pick. Kyrie Irving, And actually, I might go back with Anthony Davis too. Uh, for what they uh, what they were presented in college, obviously, they're number one picks. Kyrie Irving don't even make the playoffs with if LeBron ain't on the team. Pretty much, them 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 years in Cleveland, niggas was winning eighteen games, seventeen games, twenty two games, trash. He's no Giannis, and and by your not. You, uh, no Giannis. What I mean is, is these guys draft these number one picks, hoping for them to be the next super duper star. The last super duper star that could actually carry a team was LeBron. That was 2003. So we haven't had a guy. Dwight Howard was 2004. We can put Dwight Howard in there because he carried a team to the finals. Um, Andrew Bogut was not that. Bonyani wasn't that. Greg Oden, we've seen, wasn't that. Derrick Rose, I would say Derrick Rose prime years is 
we'll we'll, we'll keep him now because they they got fought. Blake Griffin wasn't that. John Wall wasn't that. This is going back to Blake Griffin going back to 2009. So we haven't had a guy in 2009 that single-handedly changes his teams and gives and gives them a trajectory of the second or third round in the playoffs single-handedly. Number one, at least. We've had other guys come in that can do that. John Moran can do that, of course. And he has a, a very good role-playing team. Luka Doncic, he'd do that, but he, he, wasn't, um, he wasn't number one. Uh, he wasn't number one. What the fuck? What fucking year did Luca come in? Phoenix got eight, and yeah, never mind. And then the Hawks, yeah, and Sacramento got Bagley. Oh my god, oh my Jesus, they're they're they're, they're awful. Again, Sacramento just dro- just drops the ball. I'm a, we're gonna make a, a two hour episode on Sacramento and Minnesota because they are just god awful. My point to this entire segment. Is what's the point of tanking? If it's if you're not gonna find the next LeBron anyway, you're not gonna find the next guy that can single-handedly drag the team to the second round of playoffs. Because again, getting to the playoff, getting to the first round, and getting thumped. That's what Anthony Davis did in in, in New Orleans. Going to the playoffs four out of like nine years, getting thumped. In the first round, three of them get past the first round, one of them, and getting thumped in the second round. All by the same team, the Golden State Warriors, of course. And then he leaves, he gets with LeBron James, and then they win a championship. Do you just take a guess? Do you just continue to take a guess at this? You know, I have a problem with the. NBA draft, the NFL draft in general. I think it should be more like the MLB where you just just fucking sign these guys. Just bring them in. Just like sign who you want. Like the, These dudes should be forced. Bagley should have been forced to play with fucking Sacramento. All these players shouldn't be forced to play with Sacramento, Orlando, and Minnesota every year for the last 20. Because it doesn't matter who they bring in. And again, they have Colin Anthony Towns, which is the number one pick. And I'm going to go back on that. Colin Anthony Towns, they, they made it to the playoff one time. So he's not even a number one pick. He shouldn't be worth the number one pick. Especially if you're fucking tanking for it. So again, my original question. Um, if you have a top three pick in the NBA, Is it not worth just trading for like three good veteran players? Or maybe you get some uh somebody on the expiring and two good role players. Just I don't know. Enough to fucking make the playoffs. Like because starting from scratch obviously hasn't worked for many teams. For the Pacers, it it's just not working. The Pacers, but they're a small market team. So it, 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 for them, it has to go like that. The Pacers draft well. The Pacers have not been able to find a superstar. And when they find something close to a star, they bolt. They had Paul George. He bolted. Now, Paul George just seemed to be the motherfucker that bolted from anywhere. He bolted from OKC after just signing the deal. They had a whole concert and shit. And he bolted the next, in the next offseason. Why wouldn't you just be the, I'm really trying to think of a basketball team that just stays on top of it. Um, You want to say the Warriors, that's unfair, even though the Warriors grew their team, they grew their young team. Uh, They got new coaching, and that's what really flipped everything from them. So I don't want to say the Warriors. Let me go look at the NBA standards real quick. I want to think of an NBA team that has stayed consistent, that has stayed in the playoffs, and they've done it, you know, really without a, a superstar player. And I'm trying to think of that. I, I'm not. Uh, Lakers, Warriors, Lakers, Rockets. I mean, the Spurs did it for a very long time. But they kind of had Tim Duncan. <laughs> uh, fuck, I just, I. 
So my theory on how about this? How about trading the top three draft pick for a superstar or high star player that's uh, coming up on a maybe like because I was thinking like a Bradley Bill, but Bradley Bill is he's, he's ass. He's faking. He's been playing injured all year, um, and yeah, that's just that's just not popping. I'm trying to think of somebody. I can't think of nobody. But I guess my idea, because I'm looking at the standings, and, like, for instance, I see the Eastern Conference standings. Uh, Celtics got Tatum. Bucks got Giannis. The Cavs, they have. Well, the Cavs, did, well, the, the Cavs are doing it now. They haven't stayed consistent, but they're doing it now. They have uh, Mitchell, who's a very good player. But they drafted young. They got good youngins. And then they traded. Who? How did they get? How did they get Jared Allen? Well, Kyrie. But that's not trading a draft pick. I, I think y'all get what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. Is it, do you trade a top five pick for a superstar or Asian superstar or an unhappy superstar or a, a, a good role player? Because there's not many superstars. Or a, a star player and, and two role players that maybe are on expiring. Or maybe you have teams that are looking to tank and they're looking to get rid of some players. Let's see, like Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls are 11 and 16 right now. Two, well, last year, at the beginning of the season, they bought in Vucevic. They bought in DeMar DeRozan. Um, they have Zach Levine. I think he was already there. If you have a top five pick, would you trade that top five pick for DeMar DeRozan? Would you tra- I wouldn't trade it for Vucevic. Would you trade it for DeMar DeRozan? I probably would. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, of course, I, you know, whatever was women, wish Benyana, women, Yana, you know, good luck hooping. Um, but I just think there's been too many, specifically number one draft picks, that have not worked. And this is going back for LeBron. Everybody's chasing the next LeBron. This, this, this is not going to happen. And I'm really looking at all these number one picks. We already went through it. And none of these cats have brought their teams to the playoffs consistently by themselves besides LeBron. Now, maybe it's unfair to compare Zion, Fultz, uh, damn sure Ben Simmons, uh, Colin Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, John Wall. Maybe it's unfair to compare them to LeBron James. Um, but one thing, for instance, John Wall has gotten, he's got a $50 million contract, so it's really not unfair. Um, and this is the number one draft pick thing in general. Uh, we've had everything, again, I'm looking at randomly 1989, Sacramento Kings got Purvis Ellis. That's the number one draft pick. And, uh, yeah, didn't really work. Our Sacramento and Minnesota are really uh, the worst teams ever. Let me know what y'all think about this. Um, I just think that a lot of guys have taken too many chances at the number one, number two pick. Why not just give that pick up and, and get two picks and go back and get you a, get a nigga at seven and 11 or get a nigga at nine and 20 something like, this is what scouting is for. This is what it's for. It's about getting the best value. And if you can't get women, Yana, who just seems to be the number one guy, then why don't you press back and go for a player that have actually proven themselves at the NBA level already. The years put in already. For instance, calling Anthony Towns right now is on a terrible team. Even though they traded like six years worth of picks for Rudy Gobert. Would you trade your number four pick for Carl Anthony Towns? I just might. I just might. Um, Let's move on. The last thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about a little bit of that MMA. A little bit of that UFC. Uh, about a specific situation, and I'll attempt to keep this short, with Ariel Hawani 
and Patty Pimblet. Patty, Patty the Batty Pimblet, Pimblet is a budding star fighter from the UK in the UFC. Um, he's got a lot. He's he got real popular in the, in the previous promotion called um, Cage Warriors. He's just an exciting fighter. It looks like he's a real do or die in there. And um, yeah, he's very popular. Recently, about a week ago, two weeks ago, uh, Patty Pimlin decided to uh, attack a journalist named Ariel Hawani. Um, while on his podcast, Patty Pimlin podcast, he had Dana White in front of him. Dana White. Um, in the last six, seven, eight years, has been incredibly harsh and hard on Ariel Hawani. This stems from Ariel Hawani leaking the information that Brock Lesnar was returning to the UFC. Um, Dana White and much of the UFC brass has been against Ariel Hawani since then, since he quote unquote ruined, ruined. The spot or the show, he ruined their, you know, their surprise, right? Okay. So, in, I'm not going to compare Ariel Hawani to others, to any other sports journalists, because there are not many, and I mean many because the sport isn't as large or wide. There's not as many credible journalists and just hosts and overall things that Ariel Hawani does and breaking news and you know, it, 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 he's not just a Woj because Woj is mostly known for just breaking news. Everyone, he does a lot of interactions with the, with the fighters. Um, I think he talks up the UFC and the sport incredibly. I don't think there is a better person besides Dana White. Dana White can't even talk it up as, as well as um, Ariel does. Of course, he, he gets the credit for promoting it incredibly well. Um. But this has been a long-standing thing. And recently, Patty Pimblett has lost a lot of followers, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fans, because he decided to lie. And he decided to lie and say that Eric Hawani um, wanted him to not go to paid interviews because he wanted him to just specifically do hair interview, and then that was it. We, we found out, ding, that that was a lie. Mari found out that that was a lie. Ariel provided... The receipts on that included a voice note from Patty Pimley calling Ariel and say, hey, man, I'm going to be out there, this and this and this. Hey, can we chill out? Can we come hang out there? Now, the backstory to this is Ariel was having him on the show prior to him even being in the UFC because he thought he was good. He thought it was exciting. Patty was popular in Cage Wars, but Cage Wars, nobody's ever heard of Cage Wars. It's a tiny promotion. So being popular in Cage Wars is really nothing. So Ariel would have him on the show where really, he really doesn't have anybody else except UFC or Bellator fighters, mostly UFC fighters. So this is the biggest promotion. So he provided uh, facts that Patty was just lying. And um, it's very confusing why he was lying. And I, I, I just don't understand. But Ariel has destroyed Patty enough. I, I don't want to speak about that. What I would like to speak about is the MMA fighters, Dana White, and the MMA media in general, right? Dana White. Um, Dana White is the most transparent, quote-unquote, commissioner of any league that we have. Um, Adam Silver doesn't do press conferences as often as Dana White. Dana White does them fucking uh, two, three a week. Talking about the business, talking about the fights, you know, the, the numbers, etc. He's, he, he's, been, he's been very transparent. Um, on in comparison to other leagues, I don't want to say he's telling all the business because he doesn't. Uh, Robert Roger Cadell, I was calling Robert Cadell. Roger Cadell is also not transparent at all. We uh, we barely even see him, and we know how the NFL is just a dirty, filthy league, just like the NBA is. You know, so that that's why we don't really hear much, and it's much bigger, much more popular. So that means there's a lot more skeletons, of course. But Dana and the MMA fighters have the same thing in common. Is they want media done to them or for them their way. When they want to provide a, a story, they want it done their way. 
they don't want sensitive questions or good questions to where the fans or the audience will kind of get to see who they really are. You know, a lot a lot of people will say, you know, Ariel asked, you know, that's a little bit too personal of a question. But that's what draws the fans to you. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's what that's how we get this whole ideology thing in general, but that's what draws people to you. This identity thing, these these this idea that we could both be two different people from two different parts of the world, but have the same type of experience that we fought through to get to where we are now, even if we're still fighting through that. Um, that's what makes things personable. That's why even with, with Conor McGregor, when he kind of exploded, it was it was his excitement. But the fact that he talked about being a, a, a broke-ass Irish nigga on welfare, you know what I mean? His old lady working. He ain't working. They on welfare. And he's trying to, you know, work his way up to fight. I never been on welfare. I wish I was lucky, lucky enough to get some food stamps right now. Because uh, uh, I see niggas getting $700 food stamps. Sign me up. Because you, I'll sell half of them. Uh, but those type of stories are very personable. Because you see, you see how he's living now. Huh? Motherfucker got Lamborghini yachts. But when you see a story back then, you see that it was on welfare. He's eating whatever Irish niggas eat. Uh, I think Haggis is Scottish. Uh, but whatever Irish niggas eat, he's eating the bare minimum of it. Uh, and MMA fighters, they want they want their cake and they want to eat it too. Like it, they want the easy questions that get them over, that put them at the top. And if you don't ask me those easy questions, if you don't ask the questions I want when you want them to, when you want me to answer them, then it's a problem. And the official, well, the initial Dana White and Ariel situation was off of some breaking news shit. This is like Adam Silver going at Woj for breaking any um, any news, every news. Woj breaks every, dog. Woj breaks signings. Woj is, is He's typing the draft. He's he's spoiling the draft and he's leaking draft picks. Well, I have an understanding that Minnesota may take Baloop Bop Badoop Bop. He spoils draft picks. And the NBA don't say nothing. Because it's a huge business. And these things fucking happen. And it's not like we actually cared anyway. That Brock Lesnar's coming back. Of course, we're we going to watch it anyway. It don't matter how it was leaked. It could have been a napkin flying in the fucking wind. We were still going to fuck with it. Ariel, as of recently, the last year or so, um, has finally been defending himself. He's, been, he's defending himself uh, verbally um, against Brendan Shaw, a guy who's just pretty much uh, has been lying on him. Say he was fired um, for several different things that that would come out to be lies. Say that all of his uh, Ariel's uh, co-workers hated him, which all turned out to be lies. Um, and Paddy Pimley tried to do the same thing. He tried to just blatantly lie on Ariel, and Ariel just wasn't having it. And my breakdown of, of this entire situation is is that when fighters are when they are tasked to use their fucking brain, they just can't seem to do it. Now, the easy thing for all of these guys to do is to verbally attack and even threaten Ariel, which Brendan Shaw, which neither one of them would get actual points for. Because even if Ariel wasn't a fucking a scrawny pipsqueak, even though he's like six feet, he looks like he weighs 110 pounds. Even if that wasn't the case, they're professional fighters. So attacking a journalist and, and trying to verbally attack them through fighting is it, it it comes off corny more than anything because you're a fucking fighter. Of course you can whip his ass. You're a fighter. You're supposed to whip everybody's ass. Um I don't know. That the UFC, like the UFC is growing and growing, right? It's on ESPN now. 
the, the the production is still terrible. There are still minutes and minutes of the UFC production where the screen doesn't match the audio. Or John Anik is talking, and then it bleh, bleh, and then fucking Megan Olivia is talking from something she said seven minutes ago, and it's just playing again while John Anik is talking. They, they did it last week. It was going back and forth. So they just don't get it as far as being cheap as shit. They still don't get it. And this is another thing Patty went after Ariel for in front of Dana White. Is that Ariel? Why are you always talking about fighter pay? Are you going to pay us some more money? Why are you always stirring shit with fighter pay? The fucking boss is in front of you. The guy paying you $20,000 to, to, to show and $20,000 to win. He's standing right in front of you. Imagine this, y'all. You were just a regular guy, just like me. And Dana White said, I give you 20000 to go in that cage and fight a nigga. My answer is hell no. Yeah, 20, 20 G sound nice to you, boy. Now imagine that you are a trained and popular fighter. And on the car you're going to be on, it is a proven fact that you are the most popular person on the card. And then after the fact, it was proven that the crowd reaction was by far louder for you than anybody else on the card, including the main event and the co-main event. Imagine attacking the person that said, hey, maybe you should pay this guy more money. And imagine attacking that person in front of the person that paid you the bullshit. And you say, hey, man, if you want to pay me more money, why don't you give it to me? Instead of the guy who actually signed your, your fucking checks. That's how this is. This is that's how this is stupid as fuck. It's how ignorant all of this is. It's how dumb all of this is. So my advice to UFC MMA media, MMA media, step up. Start talking. Stop. Uh, stop. Dick riding Dana White. I know he's the guy. He's the guy, you know. But you don't have to answer and, and ask pussy questions. And there's a difference between invasive questions and good questions. Ask good questions. You should be getting more out of Dana White. You should be getting more out of the out of out of the fighters. Did you saying, oh yeah, he's paying the 15 and 15 to go out there and take a fucking ass whipping? We see motherfuckers get their eyeball beat out for 30 and 30. So the MMA fighters, the MMA media, to everybody in general, you need to step it up. You need to understand that this is a very large sport now. And that, yeah, it can be invasive. But that comes with being a fucking superstar. You think Conor McGregor would ever walk down the street normally again? Hell no. That comes with being a superstar. You don't get to be a superstar and get to have every bit of your privacy. It doesn't work like that. It's never worked like that. That's how you become a superstar. When you're noticeable anywhere. You're going to either embrace it or find another way to make money. Or just find another way to finagle your contract. Tell him to pay you more up front. John Jones is not a John Jones is recognizable in the streets by hardcore MMA fans and some other MMA fans. He's not a superstar. 20 motherfuckers. Well, I don't know about 20. I won't say that about John Jones. He's a recognizable guy. I'm trying to think of somebody that's not that recognizable. But you know what I mean. They come with each other, man. You can't have your cake. Well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. They want the cake and eat it too. Whatever the fucking phrase is supposed to be. It's time to man up. It's time to grow up. You want the fame. You want the money. You're going to lose a little bit of privacy. 
doing that. Conor McGregor, would you always, everybody wants to be Conor McGregor. Everybody wants the money. Everybody brings him up all the time. Ask him how a normal day for him is. Ask him if he can go outside. Ask him if we know if he go outside, it's going to be an absolute fucking car wreck. The answer is yes. So step it up. The media, Dana White is going to do what he, he fucking does anyway. Patty Pimlin, I don't care. MMA media, stepping up. MMA fighters. Step it up. You have to choose. You have to choose. You want to be Conor McGregor? You're going to lose privacy. Or you just want Conor McGregor money without the losing your privacy. Because those things just won't happen. I'm sorry. Uh, thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for watching. It's going up on the YouTubes. We're back at another episode. We'll be back very soon with another one. And I'll holler.